previously on The Avatar Returns. Look, let's talk about comic books. He backdoor slotted us again, Eric. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> I, that's, what can I, that's what I do. I, I, I love the backdoor slot. What the heck's the other plot on this episode? Is, oh, it's, 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 um, oh, it's all the Dylene bullshit. That's right. I am the greatest earthbender in the world. Don't you two dunderheads ever forget it. Azula and her circus friends. That needs to go on the spinoff pile. Katang is my shipper name for Captain America's shield in the Red Skull's face. I'm a teenager. Looking at linoleum makes me think of sex. <laughs> That's true. I'm not a teenager. It's still true. And that's the way the season ends. Hello and welcome to The Avatar Returns. I'm Paul. I'm Eric. And I'm AJ. And each week we discuss two to four episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra. Uh, this week we kick off Avatar Book 3, the final season of the series, Fire. Tonight we're looking at the first two chapters, Chapter 301, The Awakening, and Chapter 302, The Headband. Eric and I have seen both series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar. That means there will be spoilers, but only up to the point that we're discussing tonight. Uh, but before we get to the show, since we're only talking about two chapters, um, well, let's let's talk about that. We're only talking about two chapters tonight. <laughs> so, um, Eric, how many? Yeah, that was that, that was news to me <laughs> as of about fifteen minutes ago. I I uh, did my due diligence and watched three episodes for today so i will be um be very carefully not talking about that and deciding whether i need to rewatch it again for next week <laughs> i i am pretty sure we said this at the end of last week's episode you see when i say that i don't listen to the shows that i'm on i also meant while i'm on them <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair you're, you're, you're yeah. committed yeah 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 i i it just you know, it was in my head. We we would be go back to three for this week, and I was wrong. I guess is the word for it. Very wrong. <laughs> AJ, you know all about that about being wrong. So true. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, I mean, it's it's better that you watch too many episodes than not enough. I mean, I'm glad that uh, that we weren't doing three and you only watched two. That would be awkward. But yeah, that would have been pretty embarrassing. We would have been delaying for 24 minutes while I watched an episode. <laughs> Uh, instead of the usual delaying 24 minutes just for pointless BS before we actually start recording. So we would have delayed for 48 minutes, right. 24 for yeah. the BS and another, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I don't, I don't feel like I have important banter, but AJ wanted me to talk about this on the show. So let's, let's try and find a way to segue into this. AJ. It's, it's because people, uh, our listeners, uh, care about you, not me so much, but you, uh, they care about you, and we no longer really do this on our show, our main show, Gobbledygeek. So this is an outlet to talk about uh, our lives. Plus, you have something in common with the protagonist of this series. Much like Aang, you love animals. <laughs> I, I mean, that's not the flimsiest of segues we've ever used in our podcast careers, so I guess we can go with that. Um, I... I as I'm sure has been stated on this podcast in the past, I am a quote-unquote retired, not quote-unquote, I am I am a retired zookeeper. I was a zookeeper for 11 years, and uh, I recently gave up that glamorous life to pursue the even more glamorous life of a, a full-time writer. That hasn't really paid off, but um, fortunately, I'm on good enough terms with the zoo when I left that uh, they agreed... They would ask, you know, we'd keep in touch and they'd ask me back from time to time whenever they would do uh, major procedures, whenever they needed an extra hand or whatever to come in and, and help catch up animals. And uh, so they've done that a few times and uh, they called me in yesterday. So I was there yesterday. Um, uh, I have all the, the bites on my hands to prove it. And turns out while I was there, I found out that uh, one of my former bosses, uh, who is... Uh, great guy and practically runs the zoo. He, uh, he, he certainly runs the department, the, the bird department that I worked in. So when 
he's leaving. He's been there for a long time. Everybody has has joked before about, you know, what's going to happen if uh, if Jeff ever leaves? Oh, my God. Will this zoo even be able to survive without him? Uh, uh, Well, we're going to find out (laughs) he finally uh, found himself uh, a better career in Hawaii, of all places, making like twice as much money doing half as much work. So I'm sure it was a difficult choice for him. But um, can he can he hook you up? (laughs) Well, um, probably not. No, he he. So at the at the zoo that I used to work at and he still will for a short period of time uh, in the bird department, he is overseeing, uh, I believe, 200 species of birds. And I don't even know what the number count on that is, probably four to five hundred individual animals. Um, the job that he will be taking where he is getting paid twice as much, uh, they are providing housing for him. Uh, anyways, there's all sorts of perks that he's going to get from this. Uh, he will be responsible for 80 birds. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Uh, in, in fucking Honolulu where he said like the, um, the temperature will range from like, uh, 50 to 80. Like that's the temperature range he has to look forward to. It's beautiful. I know it's nice, but anyway, so I was there yesterday uh, and it was fun to, to, to revisit. And I, I tweeted a couple times that I was having, I was experiencing feelings because I talk all the time about how I miss that. Um, and I really do struggle with this on a daily basis on whether or not I made the right choice. Uh, but there were nightmare elements to it. There are parts of the job as with any job that. You know, when when you quit a career after an extended period of time, there are, you'll tend to forget the nightmare aspects of it, and you'll just remember the stuff that you loved. Um, so I had commented a few times where my boss could hear me that uh, I, I really, I really miss being a zookeeper, and I struggle with that decision. And she was like, "Well, since since Jeff's leaving, how would you like to come back?" And I don't, and I don't know what to do with that. I now I'm. I'm well, would you be coming back full time or would you only be coming back like a few days a week? Well, they started by, by asking, and I like to believe it was a joke because surely they must've known what my answer would be. But they started out by asking if I was going to apply for the ZM position, the zoological manager position that is about to be vacated. And I was like, absolutely not under no circumstances, not enough money in this or any other world, uh, (laughs) for me to come back and take on that level of responsibility. Um, the administrative nightmare that goes along with that for not significantly more money than I was making as just a regular zookeeper. Um, but, uh, yeah, just to help manage the department, which is going to be struggling with the loss of Jeff, uh, they have invited me to come back for like two or three days a week, just a part-time employee. So, you know, I wouldn't be getting benefits. I wouldn't be getting health insurance benefits, which is the big thing. One of the big things that I'm struggling with financially now that I'm no longer employed. Uh, but, you know, I would be back in that environment. I'd be back to working with those animals that I I truly loved and working with at least a few of the people that I, I miss working with. That's great. So maybe you are really more of a uh, zookeeper on hiatus than a retired zookeeper. I don't there know. You go. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, people write in and tell me what I should do. Uh, this 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 should get some response. You Paul, can write to- I believe. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell, you, tell them where they can write. Yeah, you can write to us at tarpodcast at gmail.com uh, and, and just, you know, counsel me. Tell me what to do with my life. How about Is that? Is there like an 800 number they can dial if they want to see you go back to the zoo or there, there should be. Die, die in a fire? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, Paul, I believe that when the world needed you most, uh, you vanished. And now uh, some years have passed and they've <laughs> discovered the new zookeeper, a zookeeper named Paul. Oh, my God. That was... That was surprisingly good. I'll let you have it. So let's move on to the show then. Um, all right. AJ, take us into uh, the the first of only two chapters that we're discussing tonight. Uh, chapter 301, The Awakening. So I, the first thing I want to say is that uh, this is the first time I've been able to watch the show uh, in HD streaming. Oh. And it looks good. It looks really good. I'm not going to tell you how I was watching it before. Okay, good, uh, good. But now I'm watching it on, on Amazon, and uh, yeah, it, it looks great. I was really pleased with that. Um, I like the time jump uh, mm-hmm. just to start the season. 
I feel like that it, it puts us in just enough of an unfamiliar position. Just enough time has passed. It's only been three weeks, but that's just enough time uh, to have passed for us to be in the same uh, the same boat. Ang is not mm. well. He, I guess he really is on a boat, um, <laughs> but you know what I meant. Uh, so he wait, he's been in a coma this whole time because he basically we, dis- we discover, uh, and I mean it was pretty evident at the end of last season. He they never say the word died or dead because this, this is a Nickelodeon show, but right. he basically died at the end of last season. And I haven't made this comparison in a while. Just like Buffy, oh, huh. uh, he has been revived. So I assume a new avatar has been called. Did, uh, <laughs> but did he come back wrong? <laughs> he, he may he came back with hair. That's true. Yeah. Um, Actually, this show did a good job of setting up that we know there can't be another Avatar called. Because unlike Buffy's fuzzy rules, we know how I, when Aang died that he was in the Avatar state. I loved your, the contempt in your voice just then. <laughs> the fuzzy rules. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to point out, you mentioned the, the, the three-month, or th- not three-month, the three-week uh, time jump kind of puts us in the same, sort of in the same state as um, Aang. The... Yeah. Uh, it puts the, us in the Avatar state. Exactly. The original air date for this show. So um, so last week we talked about the Crossroads of Destiny. The original air date for that was December 1st, 2006. And then this episode we're about to discuss, uh, The Awakening, didn't air until September 21st, 2007. Almost a year. Wow. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a while. <laughs> so. um, I'm certainly glad I didn't have to wait almost a year yeah. to watch this. Um, I like where things are right now. I like, uh, their journey into the fire nation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I like, uh, Zuko and may mm-hmm. are a thing. I kind of like that. Um, I like seeing the consequences of Zuko's actions. Um, I know I really like where, where we pick back up. Cool. Eric. Yeah. I, I had, um, strong memories of, of this, uh, just because I remember, like, there's such a visual change once you get into season three because of that Aang's hair being the most yeah. obvious of them. But um, you know, and not, this doesn't happen in this, but as you know, later on in this season, we get their um, their Fire Nation costumes as well. Mm-hmm. So you end up with like a very different look for all the characters. It's actually one of the few times in any kind of um, animated series or American animated series, let me say that where characters' costumes change because, let's face it, in American animation, what you wore in the pilot episode right. is what you're wearing the rest of the show. Yeah. So, so we get, like, completely different looks for everyone as this goes through. So that I really liked the fact that this felt very distinct. I also like the um, just the fact that the world is – you had enough time for the world to have moved on right. from Aang's death. You get that creepy announcement in the Fire Nation about – Aang's death right, and yeah. the wonderful Azula and Zuko. Um, everything kind of sucks at this point. And they do a good job setting that up in the first couple of minutes of this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. The So the time jump was only three weeks, but it, it's interesting. And it, it has to be the hair because when we first see Aang, like when he, when he wakes up on the ship and he sits up in bed and he's kind of, he's sitting on the edge of his cot or whatever, he he looks like he's aged and he I, does. You're right. I, I don't know if there's any other change in, in the art other than the hair, but if it is just the hair, it's a significant change. I mean, it looks like maybe he's a, a couple years older than the last time we saw him. I think it's because when, uh, he, when he didn't have hair, he looked like a baby, you know, he looked, yeah. it wasn't, you know, he looked like an, an infant kind of a little bit. And I think adding the hair does make him seem a little older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a small change, but it's significant. And, uh, I, I've, I don't know, does hair grow back through tattoo? I don't know if that happens, but I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is something I've honestly never considered in my life. Like, I, I don't know the rules. How, how do physical physics apply there how does, does biology work there if you if you get a tattoo somewhere does hair like not grow anymore well i mean the only ta- no, i have no tattoos we so i have no idea the, the, an- the answers i am finding suggest that yes in fact there is an e-how article that says how to stop hair growth over tattoos oh all we right putting that in the show notes <laughs> all Aang right could have used that yeah no kidding 
Um, but really, would he want his hair to grow back everywhere but the arrow? That would look weird. <laughs> um, Unanswered questions. Uh, you know who else has hair? We don't. They don't really draw attention to it. But uh, Sokka. This is the first time we've seen Sokka with a full head of hair. Really, his hair did his hair change? Yeah. Well, I mean, he still has it pulled back, so it's not easy to tell. But up till now, we've always seen him with like the sides of his head shaved. He's just got sort of the the pseudo mohawk that he pulls back into his wolf tail but uh in this he's got a full head of hair huh i I did not notice that at all well see there you go and uh, i guess you're right i'm looking at pictures now you are right it's a a subtle change but yeah yeah he has a full head of hair yeah um i knew there was i i knew there were key design differences in this season, but uh, so far, but I hadn't really picked up on uh, a lot of them apparently. But I, I really, li- I, I don't know. They're, they're subtle changes, but they really do change the look of the show. They this... make it feel like more time has passed than, than it actually has. Uh, I could wait till we discuss the next episode to bring this up, but it, uh, it doesn't matter. This is, to the best of my knowledge, this is the last time in the series where we see Katara with the uh, hair loopies. I. I... I don't think so. I think she gets them back. Does she? I could be wrong. I, I, I could be wrong, but my, my memory is that she does. But okay. we'll see. She well, regains I, her hair loopies. <laughs> they grow back. Uh, anyways, so uh, what else do we think? Um, I like the... I like that we get to see what happened in Bossing Say over the last three weeks. So we get to find out um, uh, Azula and Zuko they they sacked the city basically and we get to see what that means so we get kind of through flashback we get to see them actually uh eric you mentioned before we started recording that there were no Dai Li in this episode that's not true in flashback we get to see the Dai Li as they tear down the wall and let the uh fire nation army into the city yeah that's that's right one last moment of obnoxiousness <laughs> before they let us free of them because clearly Five daily agents can take down the entire wall. Oh, well, yeah. Of the Earth Nation. Yeah, yeah. That's so a... we we, uh, we never see the daily again. And I'm, not, I'm actually not sure about that. Actually, I, I know that it, at least by Korra, we will see them again. We will, there we are not free of the daily entirely. I don't remember if we see them or not. Although I think we do see them again in this series. But um, I, I just want to note that the daily like taking down the wall proves that if the Fire Nation had found, I don't know, three Earthbenders, they would have needed a drill. That's right. That's right, yeah. Good point. All they needed was some some traitors. The, uh, the old lady twins who were making this announcement, Lo and Lee, they were really bizarre, and I'm not sure I mean that in a good way. Like, they were... <laughs> they were super creepy is what they were. They were, but also kind of super annoying. We, um... We saw them before, right? Yeah, we've seen them before in the in one of the earliest Azula episodes when she. Wait, I hope I'm not giving something away. I thought we had seen them before when she was doing some lightning bending. I don't know, man, but if you're about to give anything away, you stop just, in your tracks. Yeah, you should just stop. Okay. Well, I mean, stop, that, that... stop the spoiler train, Paul. <laughs> that was it. Um, Yes, they were creepy. So that we get the whole uh, welcome home. So Zuko's back in uh, in his hometown for the first time in three years. This is his welcome home celebration. Literally, my first note upon seeing Zuko was Zuko that fuck <laughs> exclamation point. Wow, wow! It's all the way back to the beginning with you. Which I kind of love though, because it, it's back to the general like I know it, it's not the same as it was in the beginning. In the beginning of the series, I thought he was whiny and kind of annoying, and now I'm I'm angry with him because he came so far. Mm-hmm. We talked so much last week about how well that turn was done, but it's really impressive. Like I am actually like I am frustrated and disappointed with a character in a way that. Is not because they're a poorly written character, just because I'm so sad about the decisions that they've made. Well, so how do you feel? Uh, how does that affect your feelings of what he goes through in this episode? Then, because we, first of all, we get our our official look at Lord Ozai, Fire Lord Ozai, for the first time. 
We do, and I thought he was going to look fucked up. This is the uh, this is the reveal that you were talking about before. This is the the, the Cassidy Visine exactly reveal. He looks he looks. It's like when uh, Kylo Ren took off his helmet. He looks more... <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So there was a there was that was the big moment for that. Um, but uh, so Zuko is back, uh, and he he has regained his honor. Uh, it looks like at least it seems like he's regained his honor because he's. Everybody's operating under the the misconception that he actually killed the Avatar, because the, that's the what Azula, Azula told yeah, the Azula yeah. fueled um, misconception, which I think is a one of the many brilliant plays of Azula that makes Azula so scary as a villain. Yeah, that she's smart enough to know the risk of being wrong is greater than the reward of being the person who killed him if it doesn't turn out that way. Yeah, so let's just let Zuzu take this. <laughs> Right. And I, I like how uh, Zuko, I mean, I, I, I know before she makes the stakes clear to him, though, he has a chance to tell her that the Avatar is still alive. Uh, or or if, if he believes there's any way the Avatar could still be alive. And even though he knows full well about the uh, the healing waters that Katara uh, almost used on him, he still doesn't say anything. Right. And I like the fact that he still appears so conflicted because that proves to me that he's still human. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So. Uh, redemption plays a big theme in this episode uh, because uh, Zuko is trying to redeem himself. Uh, in fact, there, there's a moment where uh, Aang says, uh, because Aang also, Aang feels, this is the most. Uh, I'm actually really pleased with this. This is uh, the most I've been invested in Aang's character in a while. Um, because he feels as though he has... His failure is a personal one. He is the reason, you know, the Great Wall of Ba Sing Se was torn down. He's the reason Ba Sing Se fell. He failed. And so he's taking that very personally. And there's a moment where he says, I need to redeem myself. I need my honor back. And it's like a close-up of half of his face. Mm-hmm. And then it fades to uh, like the opposite half of Zuko's face. Yeah. And I love how throughout the series we're constantly getting these parallels between the two of them. Uh, because you know they, they they sort of are like two halves of the same coin. Yeah. So Zuko apparently gets his honor back, just as uh, Aang feels like he's lost his. Yes. The other yeah, thing. So, oh, go, oh, go ahead. ahead, Paul. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to say the other uh, the other read that I had uh, to Aang's reaction to finding out that for the last three weeks the world has assumed he was dead. Um, I mean, as the episode progresses, it it certainly does come down on the side of he feels like uh, he's failed his mission. Uh, he, you know, he he feels personally responsible, uh, and he needs to redeem himself. But at first, I felt like his reaction when Sokka um, says says that great line, uh, "Everyone thinks you're dead," isn't it great? Um, I I took his reaction initially to be much more of a kind of a, a spiritual thing where um it, less about he feels personally like he failed and more like he feels the avatar's responsibility is to to be you know a symbol of hope and to to, to be a spiritual light or whatever for the world and if they think he's dead then that light has been taken out of the world i mean i, I think it's both yeah. i think it's both um avatar roku Mm-hmm. appears to him mm-hmm. uh and you know says that it's it's his fault as uh you know ang sort of uh so, you know sort of how you know an incoming president uh yes. inherits all the failures and the shortcomings of the previous administration ang inherited his yeah so um one more thing to add to the list of surprisingly complex subject matter that this um children's animated series tackles now we get the concept of generational commentary yeah and and so i I should say now that i did not find i did not find ang's overreaction to this to be um plausible it felt a little overdone i'll Mm -hmm. say um generally i was not tracking that well with ang's plot line like he almost he almost endangers his friends on the boat out of it and a lot of stupid things, in my opinion, that didn't that the episode did not support. But 
it leading to this moment with Avatar Roku was great. That mm-hmm. was a really awesome conversation because we get these these um, insinuations that that Roku didn't do his job right. as Avatar, and and that is is a fascinating concept because the idea is that all the previous Avatars were perfect and wonderful. And Aang is the one who is abdicated and is kind of an idiot. And I like that this uh, directly challenges that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something else we get in that moment is um, the spirit, the the moon spirit, uh, Yue, right, yeah. uh, appears to him and uh, and encourages him, basically, you know, tells him that he's, he, the Avatar, has saved the world before and he'll save it again. Um, and... What I feel like Aang gets out of that, because once again, Aang is kind of on this bent where I need to do this alone. I can't, you know, I have to go redeem myself. I have to face the Fire Lord alone. I can't endanger my friends anymore. And this is a reminder to him uh, that, you know, the importance of making friends and allies and accepting the help of other people on his quest because th- the reason UA appears to him is because of their previous encounters. It's just a, I, I took it as a small reminder to, to Aang at least that, you know, you don't, don't isolate yourself. You don't have to be alone in all of this. Yeah. Uh, and I want to uh, point out uh, back to the, the redemption theme. It's not just that one line I said earlier. In fact, uh, well, Roku says, you know, you inherited my problems and, and my mistakes, but you are destined to redeem me. Uh, and also, uh, right after that line I quoted earlier, when it fades to Zuko's face, Ozai says, you have redeemed yourself, my son. So a lot of characters are tossing around that word redemption in, uh, in a lot of different contexts. Mm-hmm. I, 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 can we all appreciate Fire Lord Ozai's... Um sense of style in his throne room he surrounds himself by fire that he walks through to talk to people that is some some like a game showmanship right there i mean if you can do it why why wouldn't you so. yeah, let's just let's just demonstrate my power i sit in 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 the middle of a furnace uh-huh. and then i can just walk out through it but you you just know that zula in the back of her mind is thinking when I kill you and I become the new Fire Lord, my fire is going to be blue, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm very sad for Azula. Like, oh, I know, no, I know. it started this early. <laughs> no, I, I know she's evil, but how how damaged of a person does she have to be? Like, I don't know. Like, she, you said that, and I realized immediately, yes, she would kill her own father. Like, that's that's sad. You, you, it's sad that you'd want to kill Fire Lord Ozai? No, but I mean, if Fire Lord Ozai was my dad, <laughs> I would just be, I would, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be killing him to say, to, for the greater good to save the world. I'd be killing him so I could become him. Yeah. That's sad. Wow. And clearly, I... she, you know, she manipulates her brother, and it's, you know what? I want to see, like, the tragic backstory of Azula. Like, what, what happened to her? Maybe you will. Maybe. Okay. All right. I I like Uh, Azula, but I don't know if I I would have gone as far to say that anything in this episode made me sad for her. (laughs) It wasn't sad for her until Paul said what he said. Well, you know, uh, okay. I I don't know if we can make anything out of this, but I think it's interesting that, um, oh crap. Wait a minute. Is it this episode or the next episode that we see her without her makeup? This is the one where she talks to, I don't know. Actually, I can't remember where she talks to to um, Zuko. Yeah. I think it was this. Ep- I think it was this episode. Because uh, okay, I where where Zuko, he where he goes yeah. to her bedroom and wakes her up and and yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I, I I don't feel like it was accidental. Like I feel like the show is carefully enough constructed. They're aware of of what they're doing enough that it must have been intentional to show her, I believe for the first time in the series, uh, like not all uh, dolled up, not, not wearing a face. She was just wearing her bedclothes and had no makeup. And so <laughs> I certainly am not nearly as a, I, I like Azula, but I'm not nearly as big a fan of hers as, as some people are. And um, I don't think I would have felt this way until I heard AJ 
express sympathy for poor, you know, broken Azula. But uh, now when I think of that scene, even though she's being especially evil and manipulative in that scene, um, the fact that she's, I don't know, not wearing makeup, she just looks slightly more human, less demonic, maybe, than she has before. So, so AJ, I, I want to make it clear that from now on, when we discuss Azula, we make sure we note how Paul hates her. Because because he gets this back after all the jet stuff last season, so every every time it comes up, you're like I I know Paul hates Azula, but all right, how I'm going to discuss this from I'll, now on. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. Sure. <laughs> mm. This is the second time that uh, the Angang has had to slip by a fire navy blockade in order to get to the Crescent Island. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, during that sequence when they're trying to slip by, what was the line that Toph says? Was it load the Toph? Is yes. that what you said? Yes. That was amazing. Yeah. Load the Toph. That's great. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. So the naval, the, I mean, every episode where there's a big fight, I'm going to have to talk about it. But in this one, it was really cool, the naval bending fight. Um, because uh, we get, so Toph, last time we saw her, she had created a whole new form of bending. And she, so now she gets to fight from the deck of a ship where she probably couldn't have before. Um, yeah. And does a, I mean, she's, she kicks off the whole thing by dropping the captain into the water with a pretty excellent moment of frankly, self-destructive metal bending. Since I think she tore a <laughs> hole in her own ship. Yeah. But, I, I did know. wonder as she was doing that, I was like, wait, what, what are you splitting your own ship in half? What's happening? <laughs> um, but yeah. And then she does have the line load the top. That was funny. That was, that was a beautiful moment. Really? Very beautiful. And, and it was actually a really great fight. And and it, it shows more than anything how kind of um, awe-inspiringly powerful Katara is getting. Yes. In in the show. I, but at this point, I mean, she's like knocking ships back. She's yeah. she's on a on a level that that she's getting close to Toph in yeah. in, in combat sequences. I mean, she's very often the most the most enjoyable thing to be watching. In a combat sequence now. And my note here was that Katara should always wear a cape. Because in that scene, she's wearing, they're, you know, they're all wearing the, uh, the Fire Nation sort of robes over their regular clothes. And so you get the scenes of her, like, especially when she summons up the fog bank. Uh, there's just the scene of her, like, making these bending gestures. And then the, the robe slash cape just flares up around her. It was very dramatic. She should always wear a cape. <laughs> You are you are going the anti-Edna mode route here. Capes are okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking of Katara, we have to talk about her and Hakoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I'm th there's a definite Hakoda Ozai mm -hmm. parallel here uh, that I think is intentional. Uh, so Katara is in her father's presence for the first time in years, just as Zuko is in the presence of his for the first time in years. Um, different situations, obviously. Um, Ozai banished uh, Zuko. Hakoda abandoned is a harsh way of putting it, but, I mean, he had responsibilities that took him away from Sokka and Katara, and it's interesting to see how those two situations play out uh, in parallel to them. Obviously, Hakoda is a good person. Ozai is not. And I got I got a little choked up uh, when Katara had her big moment uh, with with Hakoda because she she's talking about you know Aang she says I know the world needs him but doesn't he know how much we need him too and I mean it was a little it was not a little it was definitely on the nose when Hakoda was like you're talking about me too aren't you yes everyone knew that <laughs> the five year olds watching knew that. Um, wow! But when she, you know, she cries. It was. I thought. I thought it was a really great moment for uh, Mae Whitman. It was uh, yeah. voice acting. She did a fantastic job, and it was. It was an, an emotional little moment. I I agree. So um, at the end of last season, we got very brief, but we did get to see um, a little emotional reunion with Sokka between Sokka and Hakoda, but we hadn't seen Katara. So it was a nice. It, it kind of it kind of put us off our balance when this episode started and she was, she was clearly upset with Hakoda. There something had passed between them in the three weeks that we were missing. Uh, and she but, seemed uh, resentful of Sokka's connection with Hakoda. 
Um, that that was how it was feeling to me at the until the conversation. Yeah, I guess I read it because there's. Um, I guess I read it that way too. But then there was the line where, um, when Hakoda said, um, uh, "We have a new plan," or or whatever, we have a new plan of attack, and she and Katara said, "It's Sokka's plan," and Hakoda was like. Yes, yes, Sokka's plan of attack. So, And that, to me, seemed kind of protective. That was especially taken in hindsight when you know she's upset at Hakoda. Uh, that read to me like she was like, you know, we're taking care of ourselves. Sokka came up with this plan. This isn't your plan. Okay, that's interesting because I, I, I hadn't read it, read it that way. I had read it more as, um, you know... You know, Sokka came up with a plan, and now you're executing it, and you you know you have nothing to do with me. That was that was how I had read it. Although, in in light of the later conversations, I I find Paul's read on that. Um, yeah, I find it compelling. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate to say this, but I think I think Paul was right. Oh man, mark this in your calendars, people. Um, we didn't even talk about uh, the Earth King going uh, to walk the Earth like came from Kung Fu. There is a lot going on in this episode. Oh my god! That... Oh my god, Paul! I literally had written in my notes: uh, <laughs> the Earth King and Bosco walk the Earth like Kane and Kung Fu. <laughs> there you go. Um, Which one is Kane? Because it's it's got to be Bosco, right? Because it's, it's got to be Bosco. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, let's see what else have we got in here. Um, you already mentioned that May clearly uh, has a relationship with Zuko. How'd you feel about that, uh, AJ? Did that come out of nowhere for you? It, I, I liked it, you know, because it shows that uh, it is a little sad in one in one respect because Zuko had that cute little thing with the girl in the Earth Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, and now he's gone for for May, yeah. Who, as we've as we've uh, discussed, is the Jane uh, from Daria of <laughs> Avatar, uh, um, and. So- so if she's the Jane of Avatar, then who will be the Daria that's going to steal Zuko from her? Oh, damn. <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea this level of commentary was coming. You, Paul, <laughs> this this has been a stealth Daria podcast the whole time. <laughs> uh, clearly. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. <laughs> All right. It's Aang. Aang is the Daria. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I'm pretty sure Aang smiled in the first episode of, of this show more than Daria smiled in the entire run of Daria. Uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess taking, I felt like I had one more thing to say, but, but maybe not. Uh, taking us out of this episode, we just need to um, have a moment of silence for Aang's glider. <laughs> very, yeah. A very poignant farewell. To Aang. He he sticks it like a flag in the volcano and it burns. Yeah, I, I had forgotten he burned his glider. That that actually that came out of nowhere. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it came out of nowhere, but like that that hit me because I I had forgotten that. Yeah. Um, I mean, early on in the series, you know, he was very protective of that, and he he talked about how important that was. And I guess he had there was the time when. Toph was cracking nuts with it or whatever. And he was very, <laughs> he was very bothered by that. But um, I feel like it was subtle throughout the series that they were secretly making Aang's glider, you know, like the 10th crew member or whatever. Like uh, it, it was one of the supporting characters that we didn't even realize until we actually watched it burn to death on camera. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where, where are you going to get another one of those? Cause I mean, let's face it, it's gone. The the glider makers have gone. That's right. Yeah. And the, the that little Aang gang group hug mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. I I teared up at that. That was I I actually said aw aw, so nice. And uh, yeah, because because uh, Appa's back with the group. That's what did it. When the whole when the whole group was like hugging, and then Appa comes in and puts his head in and like rubs up against him. That's when I was like, oh god, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, uh, move on to the next episode, 302, The Headband. A very, uh, a a mysterious title? Um, I mean, I mean, what what were you expecting from a title, from a a chapter titled The Headband? 
I thought he was going to turn into a, a schoolgirl from the 80s, which uh, he kind of did. There you go. Yeah. Good call. Um, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it was very silly, very funny after the, the, the pretty serious uh, premiere. And I think, honestly, this might be their best like comedy episode so far. Wow. Do you? I, I thought it was it was really goofy and it was really funny. I, I laughed a lot. Eric, do you uh, have a counterpoint to that? This is in my I would say bottom ten episodes of the show. Maybe maybe wow. forever. I wow. was I was not enamored with this episode at all. I I mean there are some hmm. there are some cute funny moments. I mean it's not. It's not a, a nightmare of an episode like like the Swamp Benders or <laughs> any or those ones, but that well, that's a pretty low bar. I mean, clearing that is not exactly the same as uh, winning the lottery. So, um, yeah, it is one. Just I think that I think that it was reaching for a point that it couldn't make in the time that it had, and thus ended up feeling superficial in a way that was bad, as opposed to superficial in a way that felt like it was making the best point that it could. I think I'm bet- I'm somewhere in the middle, but I think I lean more towards AJ's side on this um, because the humor in it really worked for me. I, re- I really, I really liked the comedy elements of this. Um, it, not surprisingly, since they were mostly uh, Sokka centric, but um, uh, yeah. But I also I also liked the the B plot, which was not comedic at all. So the A plot is all about the the misadventures of Aang being mistaken for a, a truant firebender or whatever, and being forced to go to school. Um, but the B plot is much more serious. There's no comedy in that at all with uh, Zuko visiting his uncle in prison. That's, yeah. That stuff was good. That stuff was really good. Iroh having been uh, rendered speechless after the death of Mako. Right. Yeah. See, I think I commented uh, an episode or two ago when when we were talking about Mako's passing and and the the voice actor that replaces him that it felt like going forward, um, uh, Ira will speak again. Uh, there's a there's a new voice actor that will give him voice, but it feels like the series finds ways for him not to talk as much. And this is kind of what I was thinking about right here, um, because we get this. We had one episode that he wasn't in at all, and then the episode where he does show up, he refuses to speak. So, yeah, yeah. And which which really works. I mean, it makes it it makes the Zuko stuff even sadder. Uh, Iroh won't even engage mm-hmm. with Zuko at this point. He won't remo- He won't even give Zuko's attempts to justify what's going on the time of day, which is brutal. It's yeah. really brutal. I mean, for Iroh to keep his mouth shut like that with Mozuko is not a small statement and that that says more than anything about how how seriously Iroh took that betrayal yeah and it's also um yeah I I mean it's also it's kind of a, a tough love thing almost because Zuko by this point just takes for granted that his you know his meddlesome uncle that always you know steps in with his stupid proverbs and homilies or whatever um he'll always be there he will always be there to offer some uh you know trite unwelcome advice well now zuko is looking for some you know unwelcome advice now zuko feels lost and and needs his uncle's guidance uh which he's never appreciated before uh, but but it's too late he he burned that bridge well oh, very good good fire Good fire call. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's the most I've ever respected you. The, the one thing that really did work with this was uh, the, the view we got into Fire Nation culture, especially through the school, which is this very indoctrinating thing. And, and it's, it really gives you a sense of how the Fire Nation's control is more than just sort of like totalitarianism. We saw this in the Earth Kingdom where it was this creepy secret police. But here it's just part of their culture. Every single person learns um, the greatness of the Fire Nation and this modified view of history, which is why I think the 
Aang's dance party revolution worked so poorly <laughs> for me because, you know, we're in the middle of like 1937 Japan, you know, and the next thing you know, it's Footloose. And I just, those <laughs> clashed for me so bad. I just, those, those two things graded against each other. I, I liked the, I liked those two things together. The Aang's um, dance, dance revolution. I, I get what you're saying. I, you, you're right. Uh, it's totally valid, but it, I, I, I don't know. It worked for me. I think it worked because it was, I don't, I don't know why it worked for me. I just, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, the fact that it turned into Footloose was, was weird and kind of dumb, but I, I thought it was really funny and I got, I got swept up in it. You know, by the time he and Katara were dancing together at the end, I was completely charmed. Yeah. See the, um, it could have just been totally goofy and, and pointless, uh, which I guess, I mean, it kind of was. I, I, his attempt, at least, or what, what he claimed he was doing was trying to show these, you know, sort of repressed children living under a dogmatic regime how to loosen up and have, how to have a good time, right? Which I guess that is footloose. But uh, without the Katara stuff, it could have just been a one-off, like, why did we even need to see that? But I feel like when we got the Katara and Aang dance stuff like that, it was small, but I feel like that was legitimate character development or character motion that happened right there. Yeah, the, there was some good stuff there. So there was a lot of good things at the fringes. And, and on its own, the um, Dance Dance Revolution didn't bother me entirely. But I think it was just that it worked. You know, like, I guess maybe because something about the Fire Nation's indoctrination felt so real mm-hmm. that that a, a weird kid from the colonies doing throwing a dance party could actually crack through that in, like, two days. Just makes – this doesn't work for me. And I think yeah. this might be one of those cases where it's just Avatar's – compressed plot line yeah, yeah. requirements that that worked against it as opposed to the like it, there was probably a way this could have worked for me this just probably this just wasn't it yeah i mean you're right it, it was super quick but yeah there there are things that have to happen fast in avatar i guess um uh, on the other hand we do get papa um Sokka and mama katara <laughs> yes, and, yes. Which, which if you <laughs> stop to think about i don't recommend you do that but if you stop and think about that's really weird <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it is, really super it is weird. weird. It is very, but I mean, Wang Fire and Sapphire Fire—that <laughs> was gold. That yes. was gold. And and I mean, I just God damn it, I love everything Sokka does, but especially when like uh, they come back after he says, "When we get home, I'm gonna—you will get the punishment of a lifetime, young man." Young man. And then when they get back to the cave and Aang's like, I'm going to throw a dance party. And everyone is just <laughs> shocked. And then uh, Sokka's like, go to your room. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. I live for stuff like this. And then on the on the exit out when he's like, this is permanently glued to my face. <laughs> yes, yes. Which he seemed fine with. Yes. Seemed... I, I think he was happy. I think he liked having the, the old man beard. <laughs> but I, I'm really like... I, Sokka's costume was so unconvincing; it was wonderful. But but Katara actually came through with the costume. Mm-hmm. I I she was she was selling it. I mean, I'm sure the fact that she's like 12 would have kept it from actually selling in real. <laughs> well, we it's don't just know. A cartoon. We don't know in the Fire Nation. We don't know what it's like there. Ouch! Wow, that was some that was some elitist cultural bashing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so let's see what. Else. Okay, so there's some real stuff we should discuss. Like. Um, AJ, did you recognize the name that Aang chose? What was the name? Kuzan. It I it has the same letters as Zuko, right? With an N. Uh, well, without the addition of the N there, that would have been pretty astoundingly insightful of you. But no, that's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not what I meant. I uh, always love stopping short, stopping just short of being astoundingly insightful. <laughs> no, that's uh, back in uh, everyone's favorite episode, Jet, at the end. Or wait, no, it wasn't. It was uh, the Blue Spirit. It was the end of the Blue Spirit because um, it was when he had rescued Zuko, and it was, so Zuko wakes up and he's like, uh, and Ang is telling the story about how he and his friend Kuzan used to hang out, like they, you know, they were really close friends. He was one of my best friends, and he was from the Fire Nation. Oh, um, 
so it's just a callback to that name. This is the name of his friend that he had a hundred years ago. That's cool. Uh, it's also a cool, cool name. I like the name. Um, there was another great joke that we, I don't think we can let pass, which is the, I don't want to, who wants to sit in here and eat crawlers or whatever. Cave and then crawlers. Something out and eating it and turning around and like a piece falls out of it. Like a mouth. leg falls twitching out of his mouth. <laughs> yes. And, and it's be- it's even better because it's followed up by Sokka, uh, saying, uh, what was it? It's like, sorry, buddy, we've been outvoted. Like he would have been fine sitting in the cave, eating cave crawlers with Momo. <laughs> There are a lot of really good jokes. That's why when I said that, like, this was not a favorite episode of mine, but it's not, you know, it's not at, like, the level of really bad ones. Uh-huh. I, it's The plot of this one doesn't hold together, and because of that, it, it's a little troublesome, but there's a lot of really funny stuff uh-huh. in this episode. I will I will give you both that. Hmm. I am a fan of Secret Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about the indoctrination and the, the, um, the skewed history that, like, uh, Fire Nation kids are learning. Um, one of the good examples of that it was the pop quiz that the teacher gives them. Uh, question one: What year did Fire Lord Sozin battle the Air Nation Army? Um, I thought that was particularly cool because Ang's like, uh, "Is this a trick question? The Air Nation right. didn't have a an organized military. Um, they're first of all, they weren't called the Air Nation. They're the the Air Nomads, and they didn't have an army. So, although this shows what a moron Ang is." That you'd stand up and raise that question. Well, in he's, that, he's in so that. innocent and trusting of everybody is his problem. There's no, there's no way this, this like totalitarian empire that's rolling over <laughs> the the entire world might be suspicious of a kid standing up in class and questioning the doctrine. They didn't question uh, the fact that his parents had the last name Fire. Well, the I don't know. The teacher did seem kind of like. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fire, <laughs> but he but he let it go. But he let it go. So, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Well, when you're when you're a villain from a 1980s comedy <laughs> drama, it's there's not a lot of intelligence there. I swear to God, I, this really was footloose. I, I, isn't there a line where the headmaster is approaching the wherever they're having the party, and he's like, "It is a this, secret dance party." <laughs> yeah, like this is a dancing party or something. Like yeah. He he was John Lithgow in that moment. Yeah, I I wanted to say that this footloose thing was not something I was I was like holding on to to like drop in the middle of this podcast. It actually came to me as I was mid rant. So I just want want you to know that it was an off the cuff reference. But as now that we're talking about it, this, this episode is totally footloose. <laughs> it it, it is. It is. actually is. Yeah. Um, I I have to say that um, let's see what so what good came out of. Oh wait, first I wanted to talk about we co- totally ignored the fact that. Um, all of this happens because the gang is is sneaking on foot further and further into the Fire Nation, so they have to disguise themselves. So uh, look forward to future episodes seeing them pretend to be Fire, you know, Fire Nation citizens. But um, uh, I thought it was interesting that the headband of the title uh, is like the belt of his school uniform that he wears. But did anybody notice that he's wear- that he wears it upside down? No. So, so the, the little symbol, I don't know if it's the fire, it's not the fire nation symbol. It must be the school or the, the, that particular town symbol or whatever. Um, it basically forms like an upward pointing triangle. Well, when he uses the belt and and you see that in the school, in the classroom and everybody else that's wearing that belt, it's an, it's an upward facing triangle. He wears it so that it's pointing down. So it actually mimics the arrow on his forehead. Interesting. So, I, what did what did you think of the um the the new costumes? What do you think? Because you you are going to be seeing these for a little bit, AJ. So what do you what do you think of the new the new dues? I like them. F- the Fire Nation has style. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of them. They have style. They're they're cool. All of the all the costume redesigns are really cool, and you have to imagine the people making the show were happy to get a chance yeah. to like redo new character designs that would stick for a little bit. Yeah, they. They do good, and I actually think that in some ways, it this these character redesigns, which they aren't big redesigns, they're still basically what they're doing, um, really demonstrates the visual maturity that the show has built up by this point. Because as much as I like all the original costumes, I feel like there's just a there's an extra texture and detail to these that I just think are you know having done a series for a while, you you start to pick you know you start to like design the world around them a little better. 
Um, so there's there even though I love their classic costumes, there's elements to this that I think are really indicative of how far this show's come on a on a technical level. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. Um, what else did we get? Um, oh, the freestyle that freestyle dancer that's totally me. <laughs> I, I believe that. Yeah, that, that's that's why I don't dance. Um. Okay, well, I, I guess should we say more about the B plot with Zuko? I, certainly, we need to talk about where it ends up. But uh, can we just make sure we have time to talk about the third episode too? Because I feel like we might be burning too much time. <laughs> what? The third episode, though. Thir- the no, 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 no. We're we're stopping it too. What? Yeah, we're stopping it too. Sorry. <laughs> Rewind. Listen back to the beginning of the podcast. Crap, I, I forgot again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, let's talk more about Zuko. Um, I, well, do we have more to talk about uh, before we get to the, the end? I thought you did, Paul. I thought you were like, you had some like Zuko bomb to drop on us. No, no, no Zuko bombs. Um, what see. is a Zuko bomb? I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> Shh, no spoilers. I, I I am a big fan of his little his little Kylo Ren temper tantrum when yeah, he destroys yeah, yeah. the stool. Yeah, when he kicks fire. it up and then punch fire punches it into the wall. Yeah, him him and Kylo would get along pretty well actually. <laughs> if only we'd seen a couple guards tiptoeing back down the hall. To they both they both have very deep daddy issues. Yeah. Yes. They're both little little rage babies. <laughs> rage babies. Is only... a zook? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go, Eric. I say the only difference is that that Kyle that Zuko has the scar that Kylo wishes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, is a Zuko bomb when you're about to uh, betray a familial relation? You're just like about to sever ties. You're like Zuko bomb, and you ruin your family reunion. That's like that's like the Dragon Ball Z way of ruining your family. <laughs> <laughs> Zuko bomb, Aunt Sally. Your mashed potatoes suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I just, want, I just want you to know, in the heat of the moment, Aunt Sally was the best name I could come up with. Good job. Good job. It, it, it worked about as well as anything was going to, so, you know, don't beat yourself so, up. <laughs> so, Paul, where you're leading us, uh, I know you're leading us. In my notes, my last note is, the fuck is this dude with a sideways eye on his forehead? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes! Oh, I forgot. That's right. This uh, this is where we get introduced to to him. Uh, we're just we're gonna leave that there. I'm not gonna say anything. But, okay. All right. But yes, I am very I well, am very excited to, for for AJ to get to see what the sideways eye guy is all about. The sideways eye guy. I've never heard him referred to that way. Um, it's it's perhaps better than the name that he ends up getting. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a spoiler. I don't think we're ruining anything ruining anything by letting AJ know that uh, yeah, this character's kind of a big deal. I mean, it it ends setting him up as a, a hired assassin. So I, I kind of wish that the show had done that. And then we never saw him again. Right. So exactly. like, <laughs> whatever happened to that a sideways eye guy? Um, you know, it's about how he, he fails miserably over and over again. He's like the, the, the uh, coyote. To right. Road oh, if only God, that's, that would that's be, Zuko. That would... <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Ouch. Poor Zuko, no respect. Um, you know, I was gonna try and make, I was gonna try and have a conversation about how interesting it is, uh, the whole idea of colonists. Which, um, at this point in the series, that kind of blew my mind. Uh, maybe it seems obvious, but you know, the first time I watched this, I was like, just the concept that there are colonists that the fire nation is an invading army and they have i know we've talked about this before that they have colonies in foreign territory and ang now gets to pretend since he he's unfamiliar with the mainland culture he gets to pretend that he's a colonist and you get to see that uh you know the the mainline native fire nation civilians don't necessarily kind of look down their nose at colonists i don't know for some reason i was fascinated by that concept i actually really like it and i like that it it seats what the fire nation is doing in a level of reality that we didn't have we're used to seeing invading armies while we're in the nation that is being invaded in these kinds of things you know when we're watching a fantasy thing we're used to to living in the areas getting overrun and we saw some of the what the colonization looked like in those episodes but i like getting to see it from the other side that there's like this system 
and that they have they have their own views on what's going on in those colonies, including looking down on the Fire Nation citizens who are colonists and not from the mainland. Right. So I think it's really interesting and it really fleshes out what – I think it's actually one of the cool things about this series is that we're used to seeing um, invading empires that have been around for like you know, 20, 30 years maybe. Mm-hmm. But they've been around for 100, like for 100 years and they've had colonies for that long. Like this system, this cultural system is ingrained. In the Fire Nation, there's generations of this now, at this point. So I like that we get to see that because it's kind of the kind of view you don't often get to see in in what would otherwise be a stock e- evil empire. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Well said. <laughs> I, just, I liked the level of reality that it brought to it. The the uh, implied history in that. So, um, all right. Well, now we can talk about if we have anything to talk about with Sideways Eye Guy. Um, AJ, what do you think about Sideways Eye Guy? I mean, he reminded me of Bone again, with like the 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 Vidu or whoever uh, had the yeah yeah the, the eyes yeah. on their 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 robes. Good call. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I, li- I don't have anything to say. I literally have only seen him that one time. What? But... Uh, what's your what is your prediction about Sideways Eye Guy? What 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 are we in store for AJ? Let's he let's... kills Ang. How does he kill Ang? <laughs> um, I want he... I want some details here. You want some details? I want. I want um, you to think. What, why? Why did Zuko go to this person? What is Sideways Eye Guy's? Because Zuko instinctively knows Sideways Eye Guy is capable. The only person capable of laying a more massive Zuko bomb uh, than he is. So it's going to be like a, 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 a like a Hiroshima level Zuko bomb uh, <laughs> that takes out Aang. So do you think this is like the only man who can beat a tattooed man is another tattooed man? Do you think that's what's going on here? <laughs> That is that is sound logic. That is tight as a drum. All right, there we go. Cool. All right. If only they had Biling. Oh, <laughs> if only. If and... only. Biling, by the way, totally a name that would be on the show. Yeah. Maybe maybe it still will be. Uh, this episode gave us the cam the cam elephant strut was the name of one of the dances that Ang did. I just looked at my notes and I wrote down. <laughs> The Kama Elephant Strut. Nice. Also, I didn't mention this. We got, uh, like, uh, turtle ducks. That's right, yeah. The, the premiere. Mm-hmm. That, that was a really cute scene, and I like that even they knew that Azula's bad news. Mm-hmm. They just backed the fuck off when yeah. Azula showed up. <laughs> Man, when the turtle ducks know your bad news, oof. You know, it also, it also, uh, we're backtracking, but that actually kind of said something about Zuko, too. Because the last time we saw turtle ducks was in the i don't remember what episode it was maybe it was zuko alone i think it was zuko alone when he was flashing back to his childhood and uh he and his mother were sitting by that pond feeding the the turtle ducks and uh zuko said hey hey mom you want to see how azula feeds them and he like nailed one of them with that i thought it was a loaf of bread somebody said it was a rock but um do you remember that and then the mother duck came and like attacked him or whatever. Wow, I think I, your your memory for this stuff is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was that same pond, and so this scene shows that now he is sitting, you know, he's sitting there politely, you know, kindly feeding the turtle ducks instead of throwing rocks or bread at them or whatever. Damn. That's uh, that's impressive. I mean, well, it wasn't it was an animal. Well, you know, that's that's my thing. And, and birds at that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I do. All right. It is what you do when people dial the 800 number and tell you to go back to your job at the zoo. Full circle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Good job. Uh, any closing thoughts on either of these? We have our uh, – AJ has his prediction for uh, Sideways Eye Guy locked in. So uh, can't wait to see how that plays out. Um, Honestly, I just can't wait to talk about the episode that I watched already. <laughs> That's I, really my last thought. I agree. I, I, uh, I would apologize – uh, for that mistake that you you had to watch that episode um, and we weren't even going to talk about it but it happens to be one of my favorite episodes so it, it's a pretty good episode I'm, I'm a big fan of it I am I am legitimately looking forward to talking about it not, in fact the biggest bummer to me was that when I got through this I was thinking I'm really glad that I that this episode was the last episode because I don't I feel I'm going to feel bad after talking about the headband and so I was like relieved <laughs> That episode three was was one of the ones that I liked. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll get to finish up on a positive note. And nope, I get stuck uh, well. bashing the headband instead. Well, we uh, yeah, we got to go out on sideways eye guy. So that, that's that's, that's true. That's true. You, you made 
he made a purse out of a sow's ear. So, um, all right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. As always, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on the website. That's theavatarreturns.com. Uh, links will also be posted on our parent show site, gobbledygeekpodcast.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, and every episode will be hand delivered to you personally by our flying email lemur. Feed the lemur by dropping us an email at tarpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us all over social media on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, like us there for all of our updates or follow on Twitter. The show is twitter.com slash tarpodcast. And on Twitter, I am at Haunt1013, Eric is at Salon, that's S-A-A-L-O-N, and AJ is at Unplugged Crazy. Uh, next week, we're going to continue book three with chapters 303 and 305, the uh, the fantastic episode that Eric was forced to watch uh, t- tonight um, was 303, The Painted Lady, uh, 304, Sokka's Master, and 305, The Beach. It's going to be a good one. So until then, remember... Dancing is not conducive to a proper learning environment. Young people must have rigid discipline and order. Oh, don't you dare look back. Just keep your